We are reminded again of the gospel promise that those who confess their sins and turn to Christ have full assurance of the forgiveness of all of their sins. Let's now come before God's word to be taught by him. Our text this morning comes from 1 John chapter 2, but we'll begin reading in 1 John 1. First John 1, beginning in verse 5, and we'll read through chapter 2, verse 6. First John 1, verses 5 through, through 10, of course, were our text the last time that we celebrated the Lord's Supper. This is the message that we have heard from, the, from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So far from the word of God. The sermon this morning is from First, King, or First John chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, in a few minutes, you'll be coming up to sit together at this table, which is Christ's table, and you're coming to celebrate your fellowship with Him and with one another and with the rest of the church. That's what we talked about last time, our celebration of our fellowship with Christ. And the last time we we celebrated the Lord's Supper, we looked at John's warnings in the verses immediately before this text. That if we say that we have fellowship, if we come to celebrate our fellowship with Christ while walking in darkness, then we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we go to the table to celebrate a fellowship, a union with Christ, even while living in sin, John warns us that is celebrating a lie. Well, warnings like this, and there's another one coming in in the text this morning, warnings like these are necessary because God has a hatred for sin, an intolerance for sin that we as sinners only begin to understand. Sin has no place 
at Christ's table. Sin has no place in God's presence. And even that's, that's true, even in God's redeemed people. We weren't redeemed in order to be free to sin. We were redeemed in order to put sin to death. And so it's an insult to God to the highest degree to come to Christ's table to celebrate Christ's death for sin while at the same time harboring sin, protecting sin in our own lives. God does not accept that kind of sacrifice. And so John warns us very, very severely in these texts that we would not live a double life, going to the table to celebrate a fellowship that he says, if we're living in sin, does not even exist. But now John also stops to reassure us in the first verses of this, of this text. He says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you would not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So the point of this warning is to keep us from sinning. He's saying, I'm not warning this to destroy your faith. I'm not warning, not giving you this warning to keep you from coming to Christ. I'm giving you this warning so that you would not sin, so that you would not live a double life. His point is not to say, if you have sinned, then you no longer belong at this table, and you may not come. That's not what he's saying. He recognizes the reality that all of us do sin. He said so in the last verses of, of the previous chapter, that if you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourselves, and the truth is not in you. So John says the point of this warning is that we would cease sinning, that we would not sin, that we would put sin to death. But if we do sin, and he knows we do, then he says we do have an advocate with the Father, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. An advocate is someone who appears on your behalf. In fact, in the Greek, it's the same word as, as the word for a lawyer, Although, of course, the role that Jesus plays is different than, than the role of a lawyer. He doesn't make excuses for us. He doesn't argue that we're not guilty. Instead, he offers himself as the punishment in, instead of us. And that's why John says then he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. The, the word propitiation, it's a long word. It's probably not a word you use in daily conversation, but it's a technical term that referred to what happened at, at the sacrifices in Israel. The offering there would propitiate the wrath of God. So it means to turn away the anger of God as the result of a perfect sacrifice being made. That's what Christ is for us. He turns away God's wrath because God's wrath has been satisfied. So this is, this is what Christ does for us. And this is the only reason that sinners like you and me can ever come to a table like this to be with Christ and, and, and through Christ to be with God the Father. That's the only reason we can ever come is because Christ has turned away the Father's wrath from us. And John says he's not only the propitiation for our sins, but he's the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. That's, that's a verse that's been very often debated. What does John mean? Does, did Christ die for the whole world? Is the whole world covered 
by Christ's death. Well, John can't be meaning that because he's just finished saying that there are certain people that do not belong to Christ. So clearly not everyone is saved. That cannot be the point he's making. But his point is that Christ is the only way to the Father for the whole world. He's the only way that God's wrath will be turned away, regardless of who you are or what nation you live in. There is only one way to God for the whole world, and that's through Christ, His Son. So this is, this is John's point then. If your conscience is heavy after John's warning, if you're wondering whether you should come to the table after John's warning, then, then John wants us to know and have assurance that Christ is our advocate before the Father. You don't appear before the Father alone, having to come up with some reason why the Father should accept you. Christ is there in front of you. He is your advocate before the Father. And He really does turn away the Father's wrath from you. But then having said that, John does return to his warning. Not everyone who claims to know Him does indeed have fellowship with Him. Verse 3, By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. So there are Christians who come to the Lord's table who celebrate their fellowship with Christ, but who do not in fact know Christ at all. And the evidence that they do not know Him is that they do not keep His commandments. They can know who they are by looking at their own lives. Now, obviously, John isn't saying this to take away your comfort. We can read a warning like that and and once again throw up our hands and say, well, should I come to the table to be with Christ? Because I know that I don't keep all of His commandments the way that I ought to. Well, that's not the reaction that John is looking for because he's just finished saying, if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. So don't read that warning and say, well, then I'm on my own again. I'm lost before the Father. The presence of sin in your life is not the evidence of whether or not you are saved. The reality of sin is a reality that all people must must deal with. But what John is referring to is not so much the Ten Commandments, but if you follow the pronouns carefully, he's speaking of the commandments of Christ, specifically the commandments that Christ gave us. And the commandments that Christ gave include the commands to repent, the commands to forsake your sin, the commands to ask the Father for forgiveness. The reality of sin when Christ delivered His commandments during His earthly ministry, the reality of sin is taken as a given. We're sinners. Christ's commands are come to the Father. Knock, seek, ask for His grace. Come to the Father knowing that you are a sinner needing His mercy. Those are the commandments here that, that John is speaking of. All of the commandments of Christ that deal with what do you do with yourself as a sinner? 
How do you come before the Father? Do you come as the Pharisee saying, thank you, God, that I'm not like those people? Or do you come as the tax collector saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner? Those are the commands here that John is speaking of. And, of course, they extend to the commands to love one another, to pray for our enemies, to, to bless those who, who persecute us. All of these commandments that follow from God's mercy towards us. So, keeping the commandments perfectly is not the indicator of whether you know Christ, but following after the pattern that Christ set out before you. In fact, that's, that's what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is a follower of Christ, someone who walks in the pattern that Christ laid out. And he makes the same point in verses 5, 5 and 6. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says that he abides in him, which is what we say when we come to the table, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. There's, so you see, there's a, there's a direction there. You're following after, after Christ. There's a pattern of life, following after the way in which Christ walked. Now, of course, Christ walked that way perfectly, and you won't. You already don't. You walk that way as a sinner. But you nonetheless follow him. That's what it means, again, to be a Christian. And again, that walking is not what saves us. That's not John's point here at all. If you keep Christ's commandments, thereby you you save yourself. That's not his point. Christ's commandments is not your propitiation before the Father. That's not how you turn away the Father's wrath. Christ is that propitiation. But keeping Christ's commandments is how you know and how you show that you belong to Christ, that you really are a Christian. And, and John also adds in, in verse 5, whoever keeps his word, that's, that's Christ's word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. I know there's some debate about what John means by that expression. Is he talking about God's love for us or, or our love for God? That expression, the love of God, can, can go both ways. It's probably best to understand this as the second option. That he's speaking of our love for God. So he says the same thing in, in 1 John 5 verse 3. This is the love of God, speaking of our love for God, that we keep his commandments. In other words, this is the perfect expression of how, uh, of how you love God. Keeping his commandments is how you show your love for him. This is what the love of God looks like. So then, brothers and sisters, the command from John, the, the call from John is, do come to this table. Do celebrate your fellowship with Christ. Nowhere does he say, do not claim to know Christ. He wants you to claim to know Christ. So do come. Do celebrate that you belong to Christ and that He is the propitiation for your sins before the Father. But also come examining yourselves. That's why we have a long section in the, in the Lord's Supper form for self-examination. Only those belong at this table who belong to Christ and those who belong to Him will show it in the pattern of life that they walk in. And if we have any guests among us, this is also why we, simply do, why, why we do not simply admit anybody to the Lord's table. Many people claim to know Christ. 
I've mentioned it before, 67% of Canadians claim to be Christians. They claim to be followers of Christ. But of course, not all who make that claim do, in fact, belong to Him. The Lord Jesus said so Himself. Not all who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The proof is in their lives. Do they follow the commands of Christ? Do they walk in the pattern that Christ laid out? If you claim to know him, but don't keep his commandments, then that claim is, is self-evidently a lie. And so as consistory, we can only make that judgment, of course, for our own members. We can't make that judgment for a guest who appears among us. And so if you're coming as a guest and, and you do love the Lord, you do keep his commandments, then know that we are not judging anybody who, who comes to visit. But this is Christ's table. Those who belong to Christ are welcome here, and as consistor, we have to make that judgment call. So, brothers and sisters, do come. That's the call here in the text. Do come, and if you have sins that need to be confessed before Christ, then confess them and come with a pure heart to this table, knowing that Christ is your propitiation. He is your advocate before the Father, and He covers all of your sins that that for, for those who belong to him. We are covered by the blood of a Savior who is our advocate before the Father. Amen.